0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now, here's Pastor Ben.
1: So, the title I titled this message is called The Living Water. The Living Water. And before we begin, I just want to ask you and ask I a question is how do you and I know that we have the Holy Spirit, right? How do you and I know that we have the Holy Spirit? Do do you remember the time of your salvation? Just think about that. Do you remember the time when you got saved? How you felt? What you heard. Did you experience the presence of God? Blood, you like the sun when you're out in it. You feel the warmth. If you're in Arizona, it's like 110 degrees out there. You definitely feel the sun. Or you can walk out when it's a rainstorm, and you feel the rain. It just drenches you, Right? Think about your experience with God and when the Holy Spirit saved you, when you heard the gospel of Jesus, the great good news that all people need to hear. You see, the Bible teaches that anyone who accepts Jesus, our Lord, as Lord and Savior receives God's Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. It's a miraculous thing. I could remember when I got saved, January 2000. Never, ever, ever forget it. And when I'm walking in this life and my walk gets kind of dry, and when it becomes a routine, walking with God becomes religious, God reminds me of where I was at and what happened in my experience with him. And how he saved me. You see, the Bible teaches that anyone who accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior receives God's Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. At the moment, it is a miracle that you are saved, it's a miracle.
0: You see, in Ephesians chapter 1,
1: verse 13 and 14, it says this. In him, Jesus, you also were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed, you believed the Holy Spirit is the down payment, the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Ephesians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse
0: 13, 14. Isn't that great news? You are dead. I've been to a few
1: funerals, and the dead person never came back up to life. That's us, spiritually. You and I were dead. Do we really understand and comprehend what that means? There are over 200,000 people in this city of Lubbock. Many, many people are dead. There are many, many churches in the city of Lubbock. Many of those people that go to churches are religious, and they are dead. We were once there. We were dead in our sin. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says this. To be a Christian is to have the Holy Spirit living in you. Catch that. To be a Christian is to have the Holy Spirit of God, the creator of the universe, of everything that you and I know and experience, lives in you. Romans 8, 9 says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. There's two people in this world. There's dead people and there's alive people in Christ. That's it. God's not concerned of what race you are, of where you came from, your status, the family you were raised in, the Bible knowledge you know. The works that we do, the money you give, the time you give, he's not concerned about any of that. He's concerned about, do you have his Holy Spirit living in you? Do you? Can you answer that question tonight? Do you and I have the Holy Spirit living in us, right? Sometimes we forget the power of the Holy Spirit in us when we live our lives, when life gets hard. We forget that there is power in us. and Paul taught the Corinthian church that by the one spirit of God, all believers are united into one body. You and I are common because of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. We are common because of his Holy Spirit in us. The same spirit that lives in you lives in me, lives in the body of Christ. That's what unites us not your race, not your background, not your living in Texas, not your we're so holy here in Lubbock, none of that really matters.
0: Do you have the Spirit of Christ living in you? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and
1: 13, it says this, For just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether you're a Jew, a Greek, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink, the Holy Spirit. You could put it like this. For we were all baptized by one spirit into what? One body. I don't care if you're a Samoan. I don't care if you're Hispanic. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're black, Chinese, from Africa, the Middle East.
0: I don't care. The Word of God tells us we are one body in Him.
1: You see, drinking of the Spirit is a metaphor. Is a picture. For receiving the Holy Spirit in salvation. At the time of our salvation, right? Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, Jesus spoke. He was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. That is powerful.
0: The Holy Spirit, our common, is what binds us. The living water. If you have by faith received Jesus as
1: your Savior, then you have the Holy Spirit. But many believers confuse having the Holy Spirit with being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? We've all heard these terms. Acquiring the Holy Spirit. When you are born again, acquiring the Holy Spirit happens at the time, at the point of salvation. And all true believers... Possess the Holy Spirit as a seal, making them as a child of God. That's you and I that are here tonight. And if you are not sealed, if you are not saved, tonight is a great night for you. Because you're clearly going to hear the gospel of Jesus. And this is it. You're a sinner. You can't save yourself. We all fall short. God has a wrath coming to judge this world. What are you going to do when you go before him? That's why Jesus died for you and I. Jesus died
0: for you and I because of sin. You and I can't pay that sin. So many believers confuse having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit.
1: So we all know that acquiring the Holy Spirit happens at the point of salvation. For me, January of 2000, and I've told this many, many times, I'd never get tired of telling it. We were in Arizona living out there, cushy, comfy life, and God orchestrated for us to be in California. A friend of mine who I grew up with in Sunday school, in church, invited us to church. New Venture Christian Fellowship the offshoot of Calvary, and we walked in there. It's a big church, probably about 1,500 people, 1,500, 2,000 people attend that church. The service was packed. We were sitting in the back right close to the doors because I wanted to be in and out of there, like right away. <laughs> you see, God already had worked out in my life all the steps to lead me to that place. Because he ordained that day for me to be saved. What about you? Think about your salvation. Your good, how good and awesome God saved you. Think about it. When you think about it, it just refreshes you, right? It reminds me of I was a dead man walking. And now I am alive, totally alive. I'm more alive today than I am even yesterday. I'm more alive today with Christ. I'm more alive of being a husband to my wife. Because I know without Christ, I know exactly where we would be. I'm more alive of being a father. I'm more alive of being a son to my parents. I'm more alive to be your brothers and sisters here in the body of Christ. We are more alive as people because of Jesus. You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit, submitting to the Spirit's control is an ongoing experience that you and I experience in the Christian life. Being led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, keeping step with the Spirit, all these is being filled with the Spirit. They're all biblical descriptions of the goal of a Christian disciple. You see, in every believer, we should seek to be filled with the Spirit as part of his or her continuing relationship with God, right? In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20, it says, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians five eighteen to 20. You see, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be empowered and controlled by the Spirit of God. To experience renewal of life, right? To experience obedience. To be bold in our witness for the,
0: for the gospel, to share the gospel. And and most importantly, over
1: freedom from the power of sin. Just this week, I'm just thinking not, I'm not even thinking this week about sin. I'm thinking about just this day, how many times I've sinned against God. It may not be blatant like I'm out cheating on my wife or I'm out doing some horrible stuff. But in my mind, in my thoughts, in my attitudes, in my emotions, in my
0: person, I've sinned against God. But you know what? There's freedom from the power of sin. There's, there is no sin that can control you. Did you guys hear me? There is no sin that can control you The only sin that controls you is the one you give power to. Because the Bible clearly teaches us there's freedom from sin for the child of God. You see, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to
1: exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we all know we're Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. If you have your Bibles, turn there because I want you to underline this. If you don't, don't have it underlined, or I want you to highlight it in your Bible app or whatever you have because this
0: is what it says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you and I know this scripture, but do we really understand and know it and follow it? Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy,
1: peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness,
0: self control. Against such things there is no law. You
1: see, to have the Holy Spirit is the mark of all born-again believers. You can know you have the Holy Spirit if you are in fact a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe, according to what I see in Scripture, that if you are saved,
0: You are truly saved. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit seals you. I believe, this is my belief here, according to what I've
1: read in Scripture, that your salvation is not in you. Like you are never, if you are truly saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit, now hear me on this because you can get confused about it. If you are truly saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and seals you until the day of redemption. That means there is nothing that you can do to unsave
0: yourself if he saved you. And then we have different camps in our, in our,
1: in our Christianity, um, brothers and sisters, is you can lose. I don't look, I don't, when I... When I tell people, you know what, you are saved now, just walk in the Spirit. It's not your work. The Spirit will show you what to do, and He'll lead you what to do. It's His work. Your salvation is secure, done, that's it. Quit doubting yourself about it, because it ain't you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not you. You and I may feel at times like ashamed, we feel guilty, we feel like we can't come to God, we're so dirty, we messed up. That's the devil. That is the devil putting those things in your head, in your mind, and you festering on it. When that happens, the Bible clearly tells us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every
0: thought, every thought, every thought. Listen, if you're saved, you're saved.
1: You're sealed. It's not your work. It's not anything that you've done. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God. It's Jesus that done that for you. And when the devil wants to come in and say, you're not saved. You messed up. You went out and got drunk. You smoked this. You went out and did this. Repent. Because you're saved. Now, what is... The obedience is the hard part of turning around. I'm going down this way, and God says, you know what? You need to turn around the other way. Don't turn like this and go like this. No, you got to turn around and walk the other way. You have to turn around. God is saying, I'll walk with you, but you want to walk in that misery? You want to walk in that bondage? You want to walk in that thing that you're in? I have the abundant life Jesus talks about. Jesus came to die so we can have abundant life. The joy, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And he also gives us self
0: control self control from the sins that we want to commit. Self control, the fruit of the Spirit. That was my introduction. Okay,
1: now let's look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, 2,
0: and 3, and I'm going to tie this up with our scripture here. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, 2,
1: and 3, it says this, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel, of might, spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. This is a prophecy about Jesus. This is a prophecy that there is now right now there was disobedient in Israel and in Judah, and they're both captives. They're both being captive by the Babylonians as well as the Assyrians, okay? Remember, God had told the Israel when they came out of Egypt, it's a conditional. Hey, guys, Israel, if you do this, I'm going to bless you. If you do this, I'm going to bless you. If you do this, I'm going to bless you. They never did what the blessing fully gave them. They were what? Disobedient. They chased after other gods. They disobeyed God. They disobeyed his word. They were going back and forth, and sometimes in our life as believers, we feel like that. We're back and forth.
0: We're back and forth in our walks with God. If you're disobedient about something in your life, could I encourage you
1: and I to repent from it? And if you think you don't have the power to repent, the Holy Spirit will give you that power. So during this time, the people of Israel were taken captive, and Isaiah was one of the prophets. If you go through the book of Isaiah, there's tons of prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. Tons of prophecy, and this is one of the prophecy. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, Jesus the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a concept within Christian teaching for the encouragement and the building up of God's kingdom in our lives. These gifts are believed to be given by the Holy Spirit upon individuals to empower them for spiritual service in Christian living. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are taught from biblical passages Primarily found in the New Testament, you can find that in the book of Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 12, but I'm not going to go over that, but I want to cover this because I want to apply this to Jesus, and this also applies to our life, okay? So there are six gifts that prophesy about our Lord Jesus Christ in the scripture, as outlined in the book of Isaiah chapter 11, mainly in verse 2, Okay? What are these gifts? Let's look at it. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel, might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. The first one is wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make sound decisions and choices guided by spiritual insight and by the Holy Spirit. And there's this, uh, the gift of understanding. Understanding is the capacity for you and I to grasp, to really understand the deeper meaning of our walks, of our faith, and the mysteries of God. Have you ever read Bible scriptures? You've read it over and over again, and then you read it one time or somebody told you about it, and suddenly the Holy Spirit illuminates that for you, and it's like you see it for the first time, but you've read it over and over again. Has that ever happened to you? Understanding. And then there's the gift of counsel. The counsel or right judgment is the ability to make wise choices and seek guidance from the Holy Spirit, from the scriptures and other believers. And then we also see the spirit of courage, courage.
0: The spirit of courage, the strength and courage to endure difficulties and stand firm
1: in one's faith. And then there's knowledge, a deep awareness and understanding of God's truth and the teachings of the Christian faith. And then there's the fear of the Lord. Now, there's two parts to this fear of the Lord. There's, there's a, you know, there's like a holy respect. There's like a holiness, a sacredness, a reverence when we think about God, right? That's one part of fear of the Lord. Reverence is a deep respect for someone or something. And the second part of fear of the Lord is the awe and the wonder that we know God is to be. Like, he is the creator. If you, he could just, he speaks things into existence. If you go and read Genesis, we were talking about, right outside, we were talking about the creation and how long was the world created. God spoke those things into existence. You and I, we have to build something. We have to think about it. We have to, can you imagine if your words spoke things into existence? Or sometimes they do. In like your attitudes and your (laughs) motives and all that stuff. You know, you can speak some things and then eventually you'll walk in it. But there's like a holiness or sacredness. And there there's the awe and the wonder in the fear of the Lord, right? An acknowledgment of God's greatness and a profound respect for his power. You see, these gifts are seen as essential for the spiritual development and the effectiveness of the body of Christ, you and I as believers. You see, different Christian denominations may interpret or emphasize the gifts of the Holy Spirit in different ways. But they generally agree on their importance in shaping the character and the conduct of those who receive them. The belief is that these gifts enable Christians to live in line with God's word, with God's will, and make a difference into the well-being of your brothers and sisters, the church at home, and also to the world, right? Let's look at the gift of wisdom first. Wisdom. Matthew chapter 22, 34, 40 says this. This is Jesus. He's using. Now, this gift, when Jesus was here on earth, the Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized. The dove came down. Jesus was just like you and I when he was born. Think of a baby born and then raised up. And I think I could think of my daughter and all the good things we tried to teach her, and just she just ended up sitting all over the place. Jesus was never like that. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Remember when Jesus was lost at the temple? He was about 12 years old, 11, 12, 12 years old. And his family took off back home, and they were looking around, they're like, hey, where's Jesus at? Jesus was at the temple. And when Joseph found out, Jesus said, what is it to you? I'm, I'm about my father's business. What 11 or 12-year-old, what little, what teenager does that? That's the spirit of the Lord already coming upon Jesus, giving him the power to understand, the power to comprehend all these things. So look at this, Matthew 22, 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Look at this. Jesus is gifted the the, uh, gift of wisdom. In this this passage, the religious leaders were trying to challenge Jesus with this tricky question about the most important commandment. Jesus responded with wisdom by summarizing the entirety, the essence of God's law in these two principles. He said, what? Okay, here it is. Love God with all your heart, love others as yourself. You see, this example demonstrates Jesus' ability to treat Complex, and this ain't the only time or the first time. Over and over again, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, Sanhedrin, they were trying to trap him in all these little things, but Jesus was given the spirit of wisdom to overcome this. You see, this example demonstrates Jesus' ability to treat complex matters into simple foundational principles. It teaches believers like you and I the importance of love in the Christian life. And how everything in the scripture hangs on these two commandments. In James chapter 3, verse 17, 17 it says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That is wisdom from above. That is wisdom that the Holy Spirit can give us in times that we need wisdom in the traps that we may walk into, that we need wisdom in the relationships that we go through. Wisdom. You and I, we, we are to seek God's wisdom in our decision-making, especially in challenging situations. Consider the bigger picture of God's plan and purpose in your life. And I could think about my own self, I needed wisdom in certain situations god, this relationship is messed up, or somebody at church is just really bugging me out. Would you please give me knowledge and wisdom? Patience
0: God, please, give me wisdom from
1: above that is pure. This is a good prayer to pray when you were looking for wisdom. pray James three seventeen God, give me wisdom from above that's pure, that's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. The second gift is understanding. Understanding is the capacity to grasp the deeper meaning of our faith in the mysteries of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 says this. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. You and I, as believers, we are to strive to understand the deeper meanings of our faith.
0: Scriptures and God's will. And how do we do this? Dig deep with God. Be excited to be in his word. When I was studying for this, you can read many
1: different commentators. You can go to many different things. But the word of God is what you really need. I really wanted to understand what Isaiah was talking about. What is this stump? Remember, Israel was taken away. They were in bondage. The stump was cut down. Remember, David, he had a line that was going to come.
0: The Messiah was going to come from his line. That stump is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the branch.
1: Understanding. Strive to understand. It takes, it takes his power, the power of the Holy Spirit to help us understand him more. That's why it's important for us as believers to gather together as believers to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to learn from one another because of the same spirit that lives in me Lives in you. You may have a word of wisdom. You may have a word of knowledge that I need to hear that the
0: Holy Spirit will gift you for me to hear. Then we have counsel.
1: Counsel. Counsel is the ability to make wise choices and seek guidance from the Holy Spirit, from the scriptures and other believers. James 1:5 says, "If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him." Proverbs chapter 2 verse six says, "For the Lord gives wisdom. from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Rely on the Holy Spirit's guidance when making choices. Seek His counsel. How many times when we bind into a circumstance or we're in a situation? And we're seeking every other counsel but God. It's like God is the last resort. Okay, God, I didn't get the counsel I wanted from this person. Again, from this person. God, would you please give me direction? I need the counsel. We need the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Ask for it.
0: Ask for it. It's a gift that He, general, that he wants to give us. And then the fourth gift we see here is the gift of courage. Courage. Courage is
1: the strength and courage to endure difficulties and stand firm in one's faith. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, which is self-control. You know you have that power in you. That's the Holy Spirit. Access it. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, when Israel was afraid to go and conquer the promised land, Joshua said this to them. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. We have brothers and sisters in third world countries who experience persecution that you and I don't know anything about. They rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, courage to get them through those things. How many times have you relied on the power of the Holy Spirit? God, I'm afraid of this. It may be in a relationship. It may be when you're around family members that don't know God and all they know is the world and you just go along with them. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to go the other direction, to be the light and not be a lamp that's Put under the
0: bed or something. You need a bit lamp on the lampstand. Courage. Our Lord and Savior,
1: remember when he was going to the cross? He says, Father, if you can take this from me,
0: but I will do whatever your will is. He was seeking courage. He was seeking Boldness to go through
1: what God the Father was going to put him through. Courage. What are some areas in our lives that we need courage in? As a husband, I need courage to leave my wife, to leave my house according to God's word. You know, we make decisions together, but when it gets down to it, men, if you're a husband and you're married, you are responsible. You are responsible for your mate. If something's off, you have to have courage to address those things. I remember when my daughter was in the hospital and uh, she had uh, probably like five, four years old, and she had meningitis of the brain. All of a sudden, she was healthy as can be. All of a sudden, she just got
0: sick. It was like a cold, and then she was in a coma. You know, we were just born-again believers. You ever feel like that? Like, God,
1: I'm trying to follow you and do everything you can, and and, then you allow me to go through this? Not only that, with the one you love the most next to your wife, your kids. It's like, God, give it to me. I'll take it. Don't let them have it. Don't let her have it. It was a time when I was really, really afraid. So I was like... The doctors didn't know what to tell us. They're like, Well, we hope we know. And she that time there was only like very, very few case studies of what she had. And we were in the hospital and she was out for probably about three, four days. Like we didn't have answers. They didn't know what to tell us. We just had to wait. I was very, very afraid. I needed God's courage. I needed the Holy Spirit to give me courage to endure. Doubt, fear—all those emotions came in because I couldn't control it. As a believer, it's like, "Hey, trust. Okay, God, I'm gonna trust. I'm gonna
0: trust you. What your word says." Fear, courage.
1: The fifth one is knowledge. Knowledge is a deep awareness and understanding of God's truth and the teachings of the Christian faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 says this, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Proverbs 2, 3, and 5 says, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Knowledge. We are to pursue a deep understanding of our Christian walk through the study of Scripture, through prayer, and the fellowship of believers. And when you gain knowledge, and when you gain understanding of God's Word, share it. That's why we gather together, share it. That's why we do men's Bible study that's why we meet as men on Saturdays because there's things that we talk about as men that only men experience. Share it. We share, we share our struggles. We share our burdens. We share what we go through as men and we get encouragement from one another because we're relying on each other's knowledge. All of us experience different things. There's things that I experience that you haven't. There's things that you experience that I haven't. And as we get together as the body of Christ, I'm able to encourage you in something that I've gone through that you haven't gone through and you're able to speak life into me in something that you've done and that God has taken
0: you through that I have not through. Right? Share your knowledge
1: with others in the spirit of humility and love. Don't be the person that knows it all. You're a know-it-all. I know a few know-it-alls in my, in my life. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. All the knowledge that God has given me, that God has given you, all the wisdom, all my experience, share it with the body of Christ to build each other up. To build each other up. And now we get to the last one, fear of the Lord. There's two parts to this. There's a fear of the Lord of the, just knowing the holiness and the sacredness there's a deep sense of reverence and devotion to God leading to a life of worship and service. Reverence is a deep respect for someone or something, right? Sometimes we lose that with God in our walks with him. Like we don't, we don't realize how all-powerful, all-knowing, like he knows every thought that's going through your head right now if you're not listening to me. He knows every thought that's going through my head. He knows everything that's going on. You can't hide anything. Think about that. If there's someone in your life that knows everything about you, all your deepest secrets,
0: something you can't share with nobody else, oh, God, yes. God saying, my grace is over it. Fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 9 and 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of
1: wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, right when the church was birthed, it says this, so the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria, had peace And was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. Remember, there was a fear of the Lord. Remember, the husband and the wife who sold their belongings and they lied to God. They lied to the Holy Spirit and they both died. There was a healthy fear when God made that happen that he wasn't playing around with his church getting started. Can you imagine us in church? I thank God he doesn't like strike us dead. Like, you know, there's a holiness of us meeting together. There's a sacredness. And being in America, in an American church, I think we kind of lose that. We've gotten to a place where we are consumers of Christianity. Like we consume, we consume, we show up, consume everything there is about Christianity. There's not a healthy fear of respect, of reverence for the things of God. Like even me being up here, this is a very sobering thing to be up here and to Expound God's word because it's his word and I will be judged for the things that I say that are not of him up here. And you guys know if whoever is up here, you can look through scriptures and your the Holy Spirit in you confirms the teaching that's from this pulpit. It's either off or it's, yes, I agree with that. The Holy Spirit is, yeah,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yes, uh-huh, oh, What? Fear of the Lord. And the second part of the fear of the Lord
1: is the awe and the wonder of knowing God. An acknowledgment of God's greatness and a profound respect for his power. A respect for his power. Proverbs chapter 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Acts 9.31, which I went over, so the church, they had a healthy fear of the Lord. You see, you and I are to pursue a worship of respect for God's holiness and his majesty. We are to approach our relationship with God with awe and wonder. Recognizing his greatness and his sovereignty. Have we lost that as have you and I, I? Sometimes I lose that. When I was going to American Samoa in September, I was in this plane with hundreds of other people. And I'm like thinking to myself, This thing is going to go up in the air, go over all these miles of ocean. And when we were in the air, when we were taking off, I was holding on for dear life. I'm like, oh, Lord, please, please, Lord. Everything, you know, my wife came to mind, my daughter. I'm like, okay, did did I take care of that? I had a fear of, like, I'm about to be in this plane with all these hundreds of people, fly hundreds of thousands of miles to this little speck of an island, then when I was in the plane, we were over the Pacific Ocean. I'm just thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, I'm really insignificant up here. Like, you thought you were somebody? Like, you look at the ocean, it's like water everywhere. I'm like, 30,000 feet up, I'm looking out, I'm like, you really feel really small. And you know you're really small. And even the people who don't believe in God are like, I hope this plane makes it to where I'm going. I hope. There is a fear in everybody when you're 30,000 feet up high and you, and the plane goes, if it just falls down onto you, there is a great, great fear. That is an awe and a wonder and And I was thinking to myself, God, you are so amazing. I'm a little gnat on this earth. I'm in this big plane, which is a little compared to that big old ocean. And I'm just thinking to myself, my life could be like gone in seconds. I'm just praising God. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Regardless of what happens, if I don't make it there, I'm going with you. Oh, I can see heaven. What's going to happen if this plane just bursts or goes down? Lord, will you take me up? Oh, I feel the pain. God, God, what's going to happen? Take me up, please. Yes, save me. And then the awe and wonder. So I get to American Samoa. So we have another house in this smaller island that you have to take another plane to, or the ferry, which, ooh, I got sick on that too. That's another fear of God. I took this, we took this little plane on the way back, and on the way back, it's, you know, these little prop planes. I don't know how those guys in Alaska do it, where they fly these, Adam, that's where you're coming to, if you get your pilot's license, and we're going back, and I'm just looking, I'm like, My goodness, it makes you realize that you're, you could be here today, gone tomorrow. What have you done for the Lord Jesus? There was an awe and wonder. And then this island, it's called Ofu Manua. It's in Manua, one of the islands, Ofu. Really, really small. There's no light pollution. Like, you can literally see the galaxies. I took pictures and I said it to my wife, I said, Look at this. There's no filter, no nothing to it. And I'm sitting in front of our house now in the islands, my parents' house, my grand my I have siblings, I have family members that are buried. Like my grandparents are buried right in front of the house, which is weird if you're not used to that. They're like right in front of the house. And so it was nighttime. There's no light pollution. I see galaxies. The stars are so, so bright. Like you don't need a telescope. You don't need anything. And I walk down to the ocean, and I'm taking pictures. And I sent it to my wife. Ask her, she's my witness. I'm taking pictures. This overwhelming awe and wonder of knowing this God that he created this. Now, keep in mind, we're here in the United States. You're busy, busy, busy. We're doing something. There, there's like no sense of time. Like in the village where I was at, there's nine families there that's
0: left. So there's no people. There's like wild dogs, wild chickens, pigs. The awe and the wonder of just sitting
1: in that front porch, just walking down to the ocean and looking at how, how great the ocean is, looking at the reefs and just taking in. And God said, look, yeah, I made that.
0: And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, but you're much better. You are much better. And I walked down to the beach,
1: there was sand everywhere. And the Bible tells us that God thinks of you more than there's sand on the beaches. And I was walking through the sand, and there was sand everywhere. I'm like, kicking the sand. I'm like, God has thoughts of you that outnumber the sand of the world. God thinks more of you than that universe I was
0: looking at the awe and the wonder of our Creator. These are just some of the gifts that were given
1: to Jesus that's available to you and I through the power of the Holy Spirit. Is he good or what? If you came in here discouraged, worried, stressed out about something, he's got you.
0: If you came in here and you're praying about something, there's no direction, be faithful. I've been praying for you guys for this service tonight, that we would really understand who we are as children of God. He is so, he is so good.
1: He is so good. Mel, you can come up here. We're fixing to close out. He is so, so good.
0: You come in here and you lost that fire for him? He is so good. God is for you. He's not against you. God saved you.
1: God sealed you until the day of redemption. There is nothing you can do if you are truly sealed with the Holy Spirit that you can ever walk away from him. He will pursue you. He will come after you. He is always
0: there. He is always there. There is nothing you can do but to give him thanks, give him praise, you
1: know, there's a song that I like, I like, I love to sing. It's called We Sing Praises to Your Name. It's that one of those old songs. It goes, We sing praises to your name. Oh
0: Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great. Great
1: to be praised. Would you do me a favor? Stand up. Let's all sing that. We sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great. And greatly to be praised. Sing it to him, church. We sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great. And greatly to be prayed.
0: Father, I thank you so much. God, I thank you. I pray that your word would just touch each and every life here. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We
1: thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the gift of life. Thank you, God, for your incredible, powerful word. Thank you, God, for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. We thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your church. Oh, we thank you, God. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Empower us, God. Help us to live lives that are worthy for you, God. We sing praises to your name, God. We thank you, God. God, thank you that your Holy Spirit is touching hearts tonight, Lord. Bring healing, God. God, bring healing, God. Healing for our bodies, God. Healing for our minds, God. Healing for our souls, God. God, in Jesus' name, we confess, we confess, we confess all the sins that we commit. God, take it. It's yours, God. We thank you for the power of your spirit, God. God, you are worthy, God, to be praised. Thank you, God. Thank you for your people,
0: God. Oh, God.